we got a lot to dive into and right off the top here I want to tell you next week at this time we are debuting the new Outkick 360 show with Jonathan Hutton Chad Withrow and Paul Kaharski and as a result of that show debuting they will be live every day on Outkick from 12 to 4 Eastern 11 to 3 Central 10 to 2 Mountain uh, and I believe I've got this right 9 to uh, 9 to 1 on the West Coast so that's a 4 hour show as a result I am bumping back starting this week my own Periscope and Facebook show so their show will end and they'll basically be able to toss it to me and we by Monday will now have a seven and a half hour daily Outkick show of all live content, right? You'll be able to do my show from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. You'll be able to do their show from 12 to 4 this additional show from 4 to 4.30. That's a lot of content. And so we'll have seven and a half hours building up towards 13 hours of live daily Outkick content. The goal is to by football season be live from 6 a.m. on the East Coast all the way to 7 p.m. Eastern on the East Coast 13 hours a day of OutKick content so you don't have to go anywhere else in order to get all of your sports your opinion your news directly with OutKick this is what we've been building to for a long time and next week as well for our OutKick VIPs on Friday We are having an OutKick VIP NCAA tournament tip-off party. We think there are going to be hundreds of you there. You can sign up right now at OutKick.com slash VIP. That is OutKick.com slash VIP. Also, they keep telling me thank you for everybody watching on Facebook. If you like this show favorite us subscribe and go leave us a comment. There are tons of them there. My kids are reading them. They love YouTube. They love all the commentary. I thank you for all the support there and we would ask you to continue uh, to support us on YouTube certainly on Twitter and Facebook as well. All right, 17.1 million people watched Meghan Markle and Prince Harry sit down with Oprah last night. I was one of them. Uh, And I thought it was a really fascinating window into the way that modern culture can devour and also uplift the royal family. Now, those of you who've been longtime OutKick viewers or listeners know that I love England. I like going over there to visit. I have been over there I think it's three times in the last four or five years before everything shut down with COVID. I went to an English Premier League game. Uh, I took my family over there for a substantial length of time. We went to the Titans and the Chargers game uh, that was played in Wembley Stadium over there a couple of years ago. I just absolutely love everything about the way that they totally mix old and new. In London in particular we went to a Shakespeare play at the Globe Theater. I love everything about England. I am utterly fascinated however with all of the drama that surrounds the royal family. And there were several things that stood out to me from this interview which 17.1 million people as I just said watched. There's a good chance this will be the most watched television broadcast all year other than live sports 
in the entirety of the United States. So I understand some of you are right now like, I don't care about the royal family. To me, this storyline is eerily similar to Princess Di. It seems to me what is troubling the most, at least to me, is Meghan Markle wasn't young when she decided to become a member of the royal family. Princess Di was 19 years old when she got married to Charles and didn't really know very much about life in general and just suddenly found herself thrust into the royal family. Whereas Meghan Markle's like 35 years old she'd already been divorced and she'd already worked in Hollywood and understand, understood in some way I would think about what celebrity culture is like and she was still completely unprepared for what happened to her when she became a princess and the amount of attention that she got from the media. More and more I feel like I am the exception who just doesn't really care what people say about me. Maybe I should. Maybe I should be way more concerned about the articles that people write about me or the things that people say about me but I just really don't care. And as I watched that interview what I thought over and over and over again was this was someone who was obsessed with being liked. And I don't understand what this obsession is with being liked by people that you don't know and will never interact with. I I just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So much of social media it seems to me in general is obsessed with what people say about you when you will never meet any of these people in your life. And maybe I feel like it doesn't really impact me that much because I own my own business and that business is thriving but I just really don't get that worked up about people who don't like me. And the entire subtext of this interview maybe it was the text itself with Oprah Winfrey was Meghan Markle and Prince Harry being obsessed with what the British tabloids wrote about them. And ultimately I don't understand why it mattered because they don't have any control over you. The people who write and say negative things about me don't have any control over me at all. I am the person who controls my fate. I'm the captain of my ship. And everything else is just noise. And so look, I understand that there is a absolute barrage of coverage that comes down upon you when you become a uh, member of the royal family but ultimately they don't control anything. They can't take away your title. They can't end your relationship. The only way that your title ends is if this occurs and you decide to basically abdicate your responsibilities inside of the royal family. And there's a lot of talk about hey well people don't really know what's going on behind the scenes or how unhappy I was when I went to this event or that event. So and I don't want to seem like totally without emotion here but I do a three hour daily radio show every day. And my job is to do a good job regardless of what's going on in my private life. Regardless of what concerns I might have outside of those three hours in my personal life and whether I'm happy or sad or anything else it doesn't really matter because my job is to entertain people for three hours every single day. Does sometimes that mean that like every other person on the planet that I go to work and I'm not in a good mood? Yes. Do you think that every time somebody goes into a Chick-fil-A 
and smiles and takes your order that their life is going perfectly do you think that the person who's hitting a drag on a cigarette before they run into Walmart for their low-wage shift is having an incredible time too? Being an adult is about showing up and doing your job even sometimes when you aren't happy and even sometimes when you are sad. And I feel like that is what adulthood consists of. Showing up and putting forth your best effort even when you might not feel like doing it. The easiest thing in the world to do and I feel like we've emboldened a lot of people is to wake up in the morning have your alarm going off and say I'm not going to get out of bed today I'm going to cover my head and I'm going to stay in bed and I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm not going to do anything productive other than just doing exactly what I want to do. And if you're wealthy enough to do that more power to you but that's not how America conquered the world and that's certainly not how we ended up the greatest country in the history of the planet. And so I just, I just fundamentally reject this idea that when I watched it that Harry and Meghan Markle are just abandoning everyone and everything that had been in their life before. And I would imagine that William and and Prince Charles and the Queen and everybody else will feel a little bit sad for Harry and Meghan but you're multimillionaires living in a mansion in Santa Barbara California with no real obligations getting paid I think $100 million by Spotify and Netflix to make television programs and I'm supposed to feel sorry for you? I just I just I don't know I mean I whatever I feel like in many ways the royal family is just a big soap opera and to the extent that everybody out there wants to have a connection or feel like they are in some way like a royal family I was kind of laughing about this with my wife I was saying imagine if our family our larger family got covered like the royal family it would be ridiculous right? Your mom would have what she has to say. My mom would have what she has to say. Our dads, me, you, all the different uh, aunts and uncles and everybody else as a part of the royal family. They're really not that much different. And it's just a big soap opera to allow people to be entertained in a way that we don't really have. Because by and large, especially since the Kennedys disappeared, we basically cycle through a new family every four or eight years. The Obamas are president and they're doing uh, the Obamas are in the White House and they're doing all of the statecraft. The Bushes are in for a couple of times. Biden now. The Trumps. I think one of the unique aspects of American life is we aren't ending up with the same families on constant repeat over and over and over again knock on wood we are constantly recycling who represents America as the face of our statesmanlike policy. Whereas they don't really have that in England. They have it by birthright. And while it's entertaining and I understand why the royal family is really enticing and exciting for many people it doesn't ever really make sense and that's why we had our revolution was we believe that who your dad and your mom is shouldn't dictate forevermore what you are capable of or what you believe in. And so 
the idea of the American meritocracy is a hundred percent of a repudiation of the old world aristocracy. Instead of based on birth you mattering in this country we believe based on talent you matter. And that's a fundamentally revolutionary idea that everyone is considered in many ways equal in terms of their chances to grow up and end up as the face of the United States of America. And that's a radical idea. And I don't think it gets enough credit or credence and I spent a lot of time thinking about that after I watched that uh, debut uh, interview last night with Meghan Markle and with Oprah. And I'll just say this too. If you are doing media while complaining about all of the media attention that you get that's the definition of hypocrisy. This happens in reality television all the time. You have somebody who's being interviewed and they're like why can't the cameras just leave me alone? Why can't I just be a mom and a dad? Why can't we just be a family? And you're saying that with an entire panoply of media recording your every word. You're wearing a microphone. There's a camera on. You've got makeup. You are an entertainer. You can't complain as an entertainer about attention when you are in the entertainment business and you are seeking out Oprah to be able to have even more people watch you. And so I just find it fundamentally hypocritical in many ways for that discussion to be going on. So those are my thoughts on Meghan Markle and Oprah and Prince Harry. Uh, The NBA All-Star Game. I watched this a little bit just enough to see Steph Curry and Damian Lillard draining threes from nearly half court and my biggest takeaway remains the same that it has been for several years and it is that Steph Curry is more influential in the game of basketball than LeBron. And the LeBron stands all lose their minds when I say this but let me explain exactly what I mean. What I mean by this is pretty straightforward. If you have coached Little League Basketball like I have or if you spend any time around kids they all want to be Steph Curry. None of them want to be LeBron. And what LeBron does is he's an incredible basketball player. But he hasn't really changed in any way the way that basketball is played. Guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard have. They're making shots now just across half court. They are the kids' uh, idols. That's who everyone is aspiring to become. The three-point shot has replaced the dunk as the most exciting part of basketball. There's almost nothing in between by the way. Layups, dunks, three-pointers there's no mid-range game. There was only one mid-range jumper that was made in the entire NBA All-Star game on Sunday night. And so I'm not saying Steph is better because the LeBron stands are all like oh my god how could you say that? He's more influential. Steph Curry has changed the game more than LeBron James has changed the game. And if you watch young kids play basketball you'll understand they all think they can be Steph. None of them think that they can be LeBron. And that's because Steph is this skinny good outside shooter whereas LeBron is a physical freak. Kids know they're not going to grow up to be LeBron. But they can grow up and be Steph and I think basketball wise outside shooting and there's going to be a lot of missed shots because outside shooting is way more difficult than Steph and Damian Lillard make it appear to be but I think they've changed the game more than anybody uh, has in the last 20 some odd years when I was a kid we all wanted to be Michael Jordan 
now every kid wants to be Steph Curry. Uh, this is interesting. The NBA, we had Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee on the program this morning. And uh, in the wake of the NBA All-Star Game, China has reportedly finally started putting NBA games back on in China after the Daryl Morey Freedom tweet in support of democracy in Hong Kong triggered China and led to a frosty relationship between the NBA and China. And this, I believe, should be one of the number one stories in all of sports because people love to talk about the intersection of sports and culture And to me, the NBA is a perfect metaphor for the uh, relationship between the United States and China. By which I mean this. The NBA is obsessed with lecturing all of us in the United States of America about the flaws that they perceive as existing in the United States. Social justice warrior slogans on the back of jerseys, on the basketball court, and constant lectures from guys like LeBron, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, Adam Silver about how the NBA players, coaches, and executives are much smarter about America than you are. Yet they are simultaneously taking billions of dollars from China. They are not standing up to genocide. They are not condemning concentration camps. They are not opposed to slave labor because China pays much of their salaries. Yet they will ridicule the United States of America to the high heavens. So what Senator Marsha Blackburn is asking in her letter that she wrote to Adam Silver is a very important question. How can you rectify this relationship with China when it is fundamentally flagrantly opposed to basic human rights in the world while simultaneously lecturing Americans about their situation with human rights? And let me be clear about this. China is using the NBA's criticisms of the United States as propaganda that it shares with its citizens to say see the United States of America is a horrible racist place. Meanwhile, China doesn't have freedom of religion. They are committing genocide against the Uyghur population. They are making NBA products with slave labor. You can't become a citizen of China. They have no ethnic diversity at all. Everybody in China looks the exact same. The United States, which is, if you consider our immigration policies, probably the least racist country to ever exist in the history of the free world, is being used as an example of the problems and perils of democracy and of the inequities by China because our NBA athletes and coaches and executives who are making hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars are unwilling to support basic American values of free speech, democracy, freedom of religion and propagating that around the globe. Instead, they are shutting up and dribbling for China. And the worst of these players, I believe, is LeBron James because the profit-based decision-making of his choices is so readily apparent. LeBron is shutting up and dribbling for China while refusing to do so in the United States and even worse saying that he won't ever shut up and dribble. But he's doing just that for China so that Space Jam 2 is allowed to be on in Beijing theaters. Because if LeBron James came out and said I'm opposed to genocide 
I support democracy in China. I support freedom of religion and freedom of speech then China would pull his movie out of theaters and they might pull his Nikes out of stores. That would cost LeBron James money. The big lie that LeBron James is selling is that he is in some way the person who is brave and honest when in reality he's doing whatever makes him the most money. He's a hypocrite. And that hypocrisy comes through in many different levels. But just this weekend LeBron refused to say if he was getting the COVID vaccine and said that's a family decision. Not really. It isn't. Kids can't get the COVID vaccine yet. It's a decision that you might have to discuss with your wife potentially but the NBA has been trying to get NBA athletes to get the COVID vaccine because there are so many people who are NBA fans many of whom are minorities who are afraid to get the COVID vaccine and as a result are suffering from COVID at a much higher rate than others. So Adam Silver has had medical experts talking to the NBA players for a long time about the benefits of their getting the COVID vaccine and LeBron James isn't willing to get the COVID vaccine. Now some people say Clay what are you going to do? And I've said pretty straightforward for months now. I said I believe that people who are senior citizens should get the COVID vaccine before anyone else because they are the people who are dying at high rates of COVID. If you are watching this right now and you are under the age of 50 and relatively healthy as I am there's no reason for you to cut in front of the line and get your COVID vaccine because you are not under risk of COVID death or serious illness anywhere near what people who are 65 and up are. And so I have said pretty clearly I'm not going to stand in line for it but if they decided hey if you get the COVID vaccine and talk about it on your radio show it will help more people to be willing to do so I would do it. If they wanted to come into my studio and give me a shot in my arm while I am live on the air I would be happy to do that. But I'm not going to take a vaccine away from somebody who needs it more than I do. When everything else opens up if they want me to do that I'm happy to do it. I think personally I've already had COVID. I've been traveling. I've been going to the gym. I've been living my life in bars and restaurants completely without fear. There's no way that I haven't been exposed to COVID a ton of times. I think I've probably already had it. So I'm not afraid because I looked at the data from the moment this outbreak happened a year ago and recognize that my risk factors were very, very low. And what I did was ensure that my parents who were 75 and up and my wife's parents and other family members of mine who are elderly that they got their shots. They're all done. They're all safe. They've had double shots. They have absolutely no issues with those shots. And I think they're all going to be fine. And that was my goal from the get-go. But you can criticize me for a lot of things. The one thing I am not is a hypocrite. I tell you exactly what I believe. You can agree or disagree with it but there is a consistency and a logic to everything that I say which is why our audience is exploding because there are so many people out there who are complete and total hypocrites. Speaking of one of them Andrew Cuomo and the media who cover him. Now let me say this again. I do not believe that allegations of sexual harassment should cost anyone their job allegations okay 
But the standard that the Democrats put in place for Brett Kavanaugh in particular suggested that if a woman any one woman says that you have ever behaved inappropriately with her at all even if the evidence doesn't support that you ever even met her which is what the evidence in the Brett Kavanaugh case suggests then the argument by Democrats was you don't deserve to have a prominent role in the United States government. So how do you rectify that with the Andrew Cuomo situation and also to be fair with the Joe Biden allegation because there was no allegation of impropriety based on employment relationship between Brett Kavanaugh and the woman who alleged that when they were teenagers he tried to make out with her. Indeed there was no evidence that they ever actually even met much less that he tried to make out with her and may have made her uncomfortable. That also wasn't in any way criminal behavior and oh by the way he was a minor at the time that all of that happened. Andrew Cuomo is accused of sexually harassing women who worked on his staff. He was their boss as a member of the federal government in one case and the state government of New York in the other. That's not even similar in any respect to what happened with the Brett Kavanaugh situation. So why is the same standard not applying? The answer is one person is a Republican another person is a Democrat and that's what drives me crazy. I believe justice should be blind to your race to your religion to your political party to your political beliefs in general to your age. What we have to look at is the facts the facts the facts. I think Cuomo is entitled to wait to see what the facts are in this case. But Democrats didn't argue that standard at all with Brett Kavanaugh and the bigger issue is I believe that Andrew Cuomo is going to be charged with criminal obstruction of justice over attempting to cover up the number of people who died in nursing homes so that he could try to sell his book and argue that he was a COVID hero who had vanquished all the dangers from COVID. I really do believe that's what was going on there. Uh, Finally, I had an amazing time this weekend. Uh, I went out camping with my three kids. My 12-year-old, my 10-year-old, and my 6-year-old. And it was like 20 degrees uh, where we were out camping. We had an amazing weekend. A lot of fun. We canoed. We ziplined. We uh, played football and basketball. Just had a tremendous time hanging out with them. But man, it is tough to sleep when it is 20 degrees outside. So in the middle of the night while I'm trying to sleep my six-year-old comes over and he says Dad I'm cold and he gets zipped up in the sleeping bag with me to try to avoid being so cold. And uh, of course I didn't sleep for the rest of the night that's like 4 a.m. when that happens the other two boys uh, are up and out have to go to the bathroom a couple of different times but I will say this if you have young kids There is something really fun about moments like those which you know are unlikely to occur again in your life. And so I couldn't fall asleep for like three hours while my six-year-old was snuggled up in my uh, sleeping bag and fell asleep. Uh, But with my third son I am trying to grab a hold of those moments and hope that they would last forever. Because right now my kids love spending time with me. 12, 10, and 6. Sorry, 13, 10, and 6. 
at some point in the future they're going to be tired of mom and dad no matter who you are and they're going to want to spiral off into their own lives. Uh, But if you are watching me right now and you have young kids one of the decisions that I made in 2020 was I am going to make time for my kids even more than I have been as a dad and I'm fortunate because I get to work a lot from home and be around those kids a lot more than most. Next week we are going out to Utah. I don't ski. I don't snowboard. Frankly, I don't like cold weather at all. I'm not a snow guy. Uh, But I'm going out to Utah to be with them and I can't wait. Whoever you are and wherever you may find yourself I hope that you and your family are doing well and I hope you can have as much fun in the days and weeks and months ahead as my family and I had this weekend camping with my three young kids. If you want to come hang out with us on Friday we'll be at the the downtown Nashville location. You can sign up at outkick.com slash VIP. That is outkick.com slash VIP. Do it and you will be glad that you did it I'm telling you we're going to have a lot of fun that's outkick.com slash VIP I am Clay Travis going to be live in about 25 minutes on FS1 breaking down everything in the world of sports gambling your boy won the crown a good weekend of betting for me I'll be talking about that and more this is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio in the mornings but right now on Twitter Facebook and on YouTube thanks again for all the YouTube uh, commenters I will talk to you guys tomorrow d unless you need to ask back.